Hi, good morning, everyone. All right, well, good morning. My name is Lindsay Bridges, and I have been a member here at uh, Belmead for over 10 years. Um, and I am absolutely humbled that I was even considered to speak in this sermon series, so, so thank you. Um, so as Rachel knows, I went through several weeks trying to craft together a sermon about something completely unrelated that I'm not talking about today, and it just wasn't working, and I was hitting a lot of writer's blocks, so the Holy Spirit was nagging and nagging at me to talk about something else, and so as Steve Stone always says, when the Holy Spirit calls, it's a pretty good idea to listen. <laughs> so here we are. Um, today, I'm going to um, share with you a time in my life that I don't talk about at all. I don't um, enjoy reliving it, but I also feel that it's important for growth to, to share. So, And for some reason, I've been called to share it. So I'll share with you the fall of 2005, and that was the year that um, Hurricane Katrina pushed me directly into adulthood without any warning. It was a deeply traumatic time in my life where I was forced to push down my feelings of deep fear and present myself as a strong and capable 25-year-old with absolutely no experience as a functional adult. So, here's my story. After I graduated with my master's degree, summer of 2005, I decided it was time to, to move home to Hattiesburg as I was unsure if I wanted to make Mississippi my home or explore other options. My lease in Columbia, South Carolina was up and it was time to make some life decisions. So I packed myself up mid-July and headed home. I spent some time with my family that was much needed and um, I applied to jobs all over the Southeast and as many of y'all know, when you're a young adult fresh out of school, you get a lot of no's. So I got a lot of those. So I loved my time at home. I spent a lot of time with my wonderful grandmother. I took her to her hair appointments. We went to multiple trips to the bookstore because she was an avid reader just like me. And we went to many, many lunches at the Cracker Barrel where she could get her chicken and dumplings. <laughs> I helped my mom also with the cleaning out process of our house um, as she was ready to put the house on the market and, and downsize. So some time passed, and um, a few weeks later, um, my grandmother's sister, my sweet Aunt Mary, who I just loved, she, she ended up passing away with complications from a stroke. Um, so we were mildly aware during that time of a storm brewing in the Gulf, but at the time, we mostly blew it off as a smaller hurricane and ignored the warnings. Um, I don't know how many of y'all in here are from the Gulf Coast or just that deep south region. We ignore major storm warnings. It's just in our blood. <laughs> so August 27th, it came and went, and we became a little more concerned that the storm spaghetti models were showing landfall for the Louisiana and Mississippi coast, but the consensus remained we will ignore it. So Sunday morning, August 28th, we woke up to two surprises. The storm was now a Category 5, and the spaghetti model was showing a very similar path to Hurricane Camille that destroyed the Mississippi Gulf Coast in 1969 and traveled all the way up through Hattiesburg and beyond and wreaked quite a bit of destruction throughout South Mississippi. 
So later that day, on the 28th, we buried my great aunt in our family cemetery. And by the time we finished our repast meal at my nanny's house, we realized that our family that had come up from the coast were not able to get back home. Highway 49 and I-59 were already contraflow all the way up towards Jackson. And um, the only way home was through teeny little country roads back down through the coast. We had several family members who chose to stay, but I have two cousins who had to get back home, one who owned a fleet of boats and another one who had to get back because he had um, a shrimping and fishing business. They needed to lock up and be ready for the storm. So they took little two-lane highways and went back down to the coast. We sent them on their way and prayed for safe, for safe passage. We stayed at my grandparents' house for a little longer that day to watch the news, and we finally determined we had ridden out hurricanes before, and this will be totally fine, riding this one out, even though we're 50 miles inland. So Mom and I returned home, and we went to work preparing, just in case. You always do. We filled up our sinks and the bathtubs, went to the store, but we were really given no guidance because nobody knew what to expect, so we only filled up with enough uh, water and uh, food for two days. We went to bed confident that this was just another one of those fear-mongering hurricane alerts. So we woke up early the next morning with um, quite a bit of news. The storm had, in fact, hit New Orleans. The news was brutal. The levees had failed. Canal Street was flooding. Small neighborhoods were flooding. The high winds had physically torn apart families and had flattened houses. At this point, the storm had also hit coastal Mississippi. Small towns like Waveland were absolutely flattened and taken off the map. Gulfport and Biloxi were unrecognizable, and the Highway 90 bridge over the water had completely collapsed. And this storm was headed our way and had absolutely not weakened. I still remember to this day, I checked my watch and it was 10.26 a.m. when the high winds began and immediately knocked out our power. Hattiesburg, God bless it, doesn't exactly have the best infrastructure, so when the power goes off on the full grid, so does the water. So it also immediately knocked out the water supply for all of Hattiesburg. This was a very, very slow storm. I still remember the Weather Channel said it only moved at 17 miles per hour. So for four solid hours, we were pummeled with heavy rains and high winds like nothing I've ever seen. I can legitimately say I have never been this frightened in my entire life. I looked out my window and I saw actual twisters going down my street. Pine trees were falling and slamming into houses, slamming into the street, and two landed directly on our house. One landed on our front porch and just barely missed our house by, by a, a hair. I actually watched as my neighbor's house was broken in half with her in it. Thankfully, she was okay. She was in the back part. You could hear trees all over the neighborhood snapping and breaking nonstop. I figured eventually we would run out of trees, but we did not. So for what felt like an eternity, it was finally over. We walked outside to survey the damage, and I just cannot even begin to describe what I saw. I'll give it a whirl. First, I opened the door, and an entire pine tree fell into my face. Then I looked at my sweet little street, and it was just absolutely destroyed. Every house was mangled. Electric poles and wires were all over the place. The whole place was destroyed. 
Our entire neighborhood sat and stared at each other. We were completely shell-shocked for about an hour. We had no idea where to even begin. But as we know, we live in the South, so after about an hour of shock, the chainsaws fired up. <laughs> and people worked all through the night trying to clear roads and trying to get it drivable. So sometime, I couldn't even tell you, way past midnight, I don't know, two, three o'clock in the morning, um, chainsaws had stopped, and it was very, very dark and very quiet. And until the day I die, I will never forget that frightening darkness that set in and the silence. I sat in our living room, unable to settle, so I searched around the house and found an old battery-powered alarm clock from high school that surprisingly still had functional batteries loaded in it. <laughs> I turned the radio on and discovered that NPR was broadcasting live from the French Quarter. There were stories of people looking for loved ones who had been physically torn from them, and it was absolutely heartbreaking. Destruction and flooding, it was awful. But oddly, I welcomed the noise and the comfort of just hearing people's voices. So the next morning came, and I sat out on our back porch, not even knowing what to think or where to begin. It started with absolute fear. I can live without electricity, but without running water, new, new levels of fear come into, your, come into your mind. There was no estimate for when anything would be restored. Looting had begun all over the city. Highway 49 and I-59 were both blocked by the police, so no one other than the National Guard were coming or leaving. I have a chronic medical condition, as many of y'all know. I suffer from pretty, pretty severe asthma, so I was uh, terrified that at any minute I could have an asthma attack from the mold and mildew that was starting to settle in, and I would have nowhere to go. The generators at our county hospital had failed, so our hospital had folded and was actually sending patients out to other hospitals. There was some positive news. The National Guard was mobilized and they were coming in and Walmart trucks were pushing through the rubble to try to make their way in so that they could rapidly stock shelves so that we could have food. And then it happened the following day, the disgusting smell of mildew had started to set in and I can tell you to this day, I, my breath still hitches when I smell mold or mildew and it causes me to have a little bit of panic. I searched through my Bible mindlessly looking for any source of comfort, but I will admit to all of you that in seven years I hadn't cracked the spine of my Bible, and I ended up closing it because I realized I just had no interest in that as a source of peace. So after two days, I don't know if I've ever mentioned this to y'all, growing up, all my family, we lived within like four blocks of each other. So I walked down to my grandmother's house, as so she was the person that I... Go to for, went to for everything, and she asked if I could come down and stay with her and my granddad to help out, and also my aunt and uncle and my 10-year-old cousin at the time were, were coming down, and we're all trying to just kind of help each other out. I'm unable to tell my nanny no, so I packed my bag and headed down, and my mother followed the next day. And um, I am here to share that the following two weeks two to three weeks, were by far the most stressful weeks I have ever experienced as an adult. And I was younger, didn't have a lot of coping mechanisms either, so it was tough. I realized that power and running water were not going to be restored for quite a while, 
And that is a scary, scary thing to think about. Again, electricity, I can do fine without that. May get a little hot. But without water, that is frightening. I would stay awake all night, terrified about making sure that my grandparents and my family had food and had water. So as most people in this room know about me, I'm not one to sit idle. So I decided to um, develop a plan. Every morning I woke up at 4.30 to get in line at the National Guard that opened at 5, and I would get our giant jugs of water and bags of ice to use for the day. And then I would head straight over to Walmart, where you still had to wait in line for a couple of hours because they only allowed 10 people in at a time, but I would go ahead and get our groceries. And then if someone needed gas in their car, everyone was allotted $20, $20 per car, so I would, again, arrange the gas trip around all the other trips and get up at four in the morning and head, head to the Sam's Club to get our gas. You had to be there when the tankers arrived or else there would be a long line and there would be no gas anymore much past 10 in the morning. Also during this time, my great aunt Jean, who has diabetes, was by herself and her power was out and she had no ice for her insulin. So again, as y'all know me, I organized a way to get ice delivered to her and to ensure that her insulin stayed cold in the cooler. My granddad and I basically spent our days organizing ice and coolers and food and ensuring that all of our family and the neighborhood had everything they needed. I had organized an entire outdoor kitchen utilizing coolers, the charcoal grill, my aunt's propane stove eye, my nanny's neighbor's camp stove, the percolator, because we all need coffee, and I had created a, a very small pantry. And I would force my granny to hold the flashlight over the sink every night while I attempted to wash the dishes with bottled water. I really don't have a way to explain to you my level of stress and my level of exhaustion. I can't put you in my head where I was during that time. I'm probably never going to be able to fully convey it in this, in this message. But my stress level and my level of exhaustion were through the absolute roof. I felt relief knowing that there was some organization that I had control over. At one point, my sweet cousin, who was 10 years old at the time, and he's now 30, um, he overheard a conversation that I was having with some family about some concerns I had, and that poor sweet child ran away. We tore through the neighborhood for two hours trying to find him. I think that might be the time I was the most scared ever. We finally found him hiding under a trash can, and that sweet boy was so terrified. And I just hugged him and told him that we would take care of him. We were going to be okay. So, South Mississippi heat in September is awful. It was, we were dealing with 100 degree weather. We had no, no electricity for AC and I hadn't slept in two weeks. And so I finally lost it. I don't know what, God bless the poor person who asked me a question, but I lost it. So, my grandmother pulled me aside and rather than giving me the stern talking to I needed or yelling at me for being a grouch, it was a strange little conversation, like what I told Sam, but she shared with me what her favorite hymn was, and that is In the Garden. It was always her favorite because it reminded her that the Lord walks with us and he is with us at all time during any situation. And we sat there and we sang it, and we would continue to do this throughout the rest of her life. Even when she was sitting in her hospice bed, we would sing that song together. After about a week and a half, my Aunt Beverly's power came back on and she invited the family to come up to McGee, Mississippi and stay with her until Hattiesburg had restored power and running water. That would be another month. 
We got to her house, all 10 of us, and while I should have felt some relief, I was absolutely still a mess. I still cried on the phone to my best friend almost daily, but some things started to look up. The one thing that my nanny encouraged me to do during this time was to move forward with the things I needed to do for my adult life. So I signed up for my social work licensure exam, started studying for the exam, and began thinking seriously about where I wanted to settle. I moved into my best friend's apartment in Jackson, Mississippi, um, while she was in medical school so that I could have a quiet place to study for the exam. And, um, and then I took the exam and passed. After that, I packed my bags and headed to North Georgia for my cousin Jamie's wedding. And after the wedding, my Aunt Betty asked if I would move back to Warner Robins with her and my uncle Joe and continue my job search for all throughout Georgia. Once I arrived in Warner Robins, that tight coil inside of me finally started to loosen. I was absolutely sick as a dog for a week after settling in. I went to see my aunt's doctor to get all of my asthma medication refilled and for the doctor to say what I already knew, that I was coming down from a very traumatic experience and I was going to need rest. And rest, I did. For the next two months, I slept 12 hours a day and let my uncle and aunt take care of me like I was a small child and not a 25-year-old grown woman. Somewhere in mid-October, I started applying for jobs in Atlanta and landed my first oncology social work job. Transitioning to adult life proved to be a lot less stressful than I thought. Fall of 05 had brutally thrown me into adulthood. Side note, I did throw out my entire wardrobe because it all smelled like mildew and I just couldn't handle that and I wanted to start all over. I sobbed in November when my mom moved out of the home I grew up in and moved in with my Aunt Beverly. There were so many changes all at once that I was absolutely not ready for, yet had to dig deep for strength and I had to accept. My nanny was always a phone call away and continued to be my source of strength as 05 and 06 continually took away precious moments of my youth, all related back to this storm. My childhood home was sold. My father's military dress screens had to be rescued out of the closet rapidly so they wouldn't get mildewed and they were donated to the military museum in Laurel. My childhood furniture was sold. And then we learned that my grandmother had suffered from multiple mini strokes during the aftermath of the storm because of the exhaustion and the extreme heat. Those two years were very difficult time, 05 and 06, trying to overcome that. I don't think I truly understood what that experience had, had done to me and done to my mind. So I continued to fight just that year to stay strong, and I did. I eventually found my people in Atlanta and finally began the slow process of acclimating to adulthood until I just forced Katrina to become a very distant memory that I never talked about and just locked away. Over the years of adulthood, this didn't happen on just like a, a week or something. Looking back on all of this over the last 18 years, and all the necessary counseling that followed, <laughs> I realized that during this time, the Lord was refining me. It's mentioned in Isaiah and in the Psalms that the, that the Lord does refine us, not just as silver or precious metals are refined under extreme pressure and heat, but we are refined in suffering and we are being tested. 
God looked at me, a very, very ordinary human being, and he saw my wandering heart because my heart was wandering during those early years of my 20s. And I had very much separated from my faith and my relationship with God. Now, don't get me wrong, I do not believe that God punished me and my broken relationship with him by dropping a giant storm followed by a year of traumatic anxiety in my wake. But I do believe that he placed me in Hattiesburg at this time to refine my heart and to begin to prepare me for his service. And my first service to him was not glamorous. It was not glorious. It was humbling my it was humbling myself to take care of my family during a very difficult time. After the storm and the time that followed, I continued in my refinement process by spiritual self-examining and re-examining my life with Christ during those years that followed. My faith was tested in ways I never thought possible, and I will not forget my spiritual touchstone, my nanny, who guided me through this entire push into adulthood with the grace that only she could offer. Without her, I believe I would have completely crumpled under the weight of 05 and 06. So I'm not here to stand up and tell you that you need to be happy about whatever you are suffering about right now. That's not the point. Suffering is hard. Death and grief are horrible. Every type of suffering that we are going through is hard. But I'm here to give you a shred of hope and to tell you that the Lord pulled my rumpled and rattled self through this, hanging on by a thread, and he brought me into a new and beautiful relationship with him. He didn't fix me back up to where I was before. That wasn't what was supposed to happen. He brought me into adulthood in a way that in a million years I never would have guessed had happened. He prepared me, and he prepared my heart and made me new. And finally, just as a side note, my, my sweet nanny passed away from metastatic breast cancer in 2009, and I am very grateful for all 29 years that I had with her. And she was my best friend and the most wonderful grandmother who ever walked this earth. So I just want to share with y'all that um, this, was a, this is a very difficult story to share in my life, and I just want to thank you for giving me the time and listening to the part of my story. Um, and I'm very blessed to have a church family and friends who I feel comfortable enough to share this with. Thank you.